Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Well, Matt, the moderator's at SEMA. He's walking around. He's getting all the good interviews, so we'll uh, share that with you. First, there's Trico. Over a century ago, Trico was the first to make wiper blades, which I'm using today. They've been a step ahead of the, of Mother Nature ever since. Trico engineers study your specific driving conditions to make sure you're ready for anything, even if it rains actual cats and dogs. Not quite yet today, but maybe. We'll see how the day progresses. Well, whatever the weather, Trico wipers maintain maximum windshield contact. And no matter what your driving habits, you'll always find the right wiper blade for your vehicle. So go to Trico. It's Trico. It's the future of wipers since 1917. To find a store near you and to see the latest offers, go to TricoCatsAndDogs.com. T-R-I-C-O. CatsAndDogs.com. It's the best URL we've had on this show. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, and I am here at the SEMA show once again. Today we're going to be talking to our friends at Ford Performance, JRI Shocks, and Anderson Composites, so let's get right to it. Right now we're in the Ford Performance booth here with Mark Wilson. Mark, what's your title here with Ford? I'm the North American Planning and Operations Manager for Vehicle Personalization. Okay, that's a mouthful. Sure is. So we've got some pretty interesting things debuting here at the show. And uh, the Ford booth is always just one of the greatest presentations of the builds. Like you reach out to different builders and parts developers every year. And they just flood it with Mustangs and Broncos now and F-150s. The Maverick looks uh, amazing out there. Mustang Mach-E. I know you work with uh, several friends of mine, uh, including Dave Tucci. Love the Tucci's. The Maverick that they built is incredible. incredible. Like, they really did just an amazing job. I'm not sure when they presented the sketches and the presentation to you guys, if that was enough. I mean, obviously that was enough for you guys to say yes, but when you see that thing, they they nailed it. They do such I would a agree. good job. And, and you know, you're always worried when you get the uh, sketches and the proposals if the actual vehicle is going to turn out as good as the proposals because sometimes yeah. sketches are fantastic, right? But I think that, that vehicle knocked it out of the park. Uh, it, they did a great job. So you guys, when you see the pictures that we put up, this is the kind of the powder blue yep. Maverick with the white wheels that are the fan wheels uh, that, um, you know, we saw a lot in racing. We had them on the Porsche 935 and Adam Krola's 935 for a while. Uh, very, very cool stuff. But let's talk about some of the parts. Of course, all the news downstairs is the Illuminator. Yep. This is an electric motor crate. It's a crate motor crate package, motor. Yep. right? Yep. So tell us about tell us about that. What so so if you're familiar with Ford Performance parts, we've always sold crate motors, push rod, uh, mod motors, things like that, and extremely popular, right? Yes. They go in everything from hot rods to race cars, and we've been doing that for the last hundred years, basically, right? And and you look at where the market is going. The market's going electric, and we figured that at some point we got to get in there, and we got to we got to start getting the early adopters the parts and, and start building vehicles. And when we looked at that that engine, it's such a small package that it fits in so many vehicles. Uh, we, we released it uh, just a little while ago. The response has been completely overwhelming. Um, in three days, we sold out what we expected to be a year's worth of volume. 
So okay. it was. It's been extremely well received, much much greater than we expected, and it, I think it really shows that the market's ready to go with electric. So, uh, explain some of the specs on this motor. What can we expect from this single crate motor package? So, from that single motor, it's 281 horsepower, 317 foot pounds of torque, and uh, it can be either installed front or rear. It's up to it's up to the builder really, and that's kind of what the nice thing about it is is that um, when you look at that market, the engine is really agnostic to the to the product. You know, today. You put a Ford and a Ford, a Chevy and a Chevy, and if you do the opposite, everyone gets mad at you, right? Yeah. Um, in this case, with the with the this e motor, we can install this in any vehicle, and and really, for what's out there, this is probably one of the most affordable packages that's that's, that's available to those people. So it's pretty small and it's pretty lightweight, right? Like when you you see it up on the stage out there, you walk by, and your initial thought, without thinking about it, is, oh, it's. It's probably just a Tremec transmission without the bell housing on yep. it because it really is kind of set up like that. It's it just, is. it's just a you know, it's like a metal box that looks like it's webbed, right? It looks like a transmission, and it's got a shaft coming out of it. It looks just like a, a trans without the bell housing. on It, it. is, and it's two hundred five pounds. So two hundred five. Yeah, it's pretty okay. lightweight when you consider engines, right? Yeah. Uh, if you look at a standard V eight, they're in the four hundred pound ish plus range, so right. it's about half the weight. And if you think about that from a performance standpoint, it may be a little bit lower horsepower. But the weight offset is tremendous. Right. But also, no one's going to use just one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, and that's a good point, because in the vehicle that we built, we used two. Yeah. Right? With the, with the Mach-E GT, it's got both a front and a rear motor, and we did the same thing with the truck out there. And so that truck has about just under 500 horsepower. Okay. So what's the price point of the motor? It's just under $4,000. Okay. Now, the complicated part is how do we... How do we build a package to make that go into vehicles? Certainly, uh, you know, certainly retrofitting an older vehicle, we started to think, hey, can we have some sort of transmission adapter, bell housing adapter, maybe attach it to a, a transmission, uh, some sort of probably automatic transmission. I don't even know if a manual would, would work, but an automatic transmission and then create some sort of motor mount adapters like it would fall in place with where a 302 would be or a 351 yep. would be what's ford performance's plan to make that easier for us to install so, so going forward if you think about if you compared it to our current ice products yeah the internal question engines uh we we provide a control pack which yep. is basically how you get that v, that engine running right yeah and then we leave the um, installation to the customer because we don't know what the application is yeah and we could pick one application it might work for you but it won't work for somebody else so mm -hmm. so really at this point what we're trying to do is we're trying to trying to get the the base product out which is the engine um, then you've got to look at the inverter and the controller and and that's right. something that we're working on and, and that'll and that'll make it run basically right now there's a there's a number of aftermarket controllers that people can use okay um, and, and then we've got to really look at the installation and, and understand what the pain points are for the customers that are doing the installations and see how we can help enable them to make the installation easier and then we have to talk about batteries at some point now uh, uh, obviously we need batteries the packaging of the batteries and how much is going to really come down to the customer and what they're able to fit it in right if you're you know you're you're building up you know a 74 ford escort it's not going to be a lot of batteries yeah, right, right? Right, right but you're building a you know a 95 lightning like i am and you want to electrify it you've got a lot more room for batteries is are the batteries going to be something that ford's going to make available or in the performance parts kind of like either from ford or from a partner so surprisingly enough, in, in the customers, because I actually thought the same thing. Yeah. I went down the same road of saying, we have to provide the entire package. But when we started talking to builders and customers, 
they, they actually told us that the battery was the one thing they didn't want from us because of the packaging constraints of all yeah. the different installations. It, it's very customized. And when you start looking at the builds, they're putting batteries everywhere. So um, they told us that they didn't think that we could come up with a one-size-fits-all solution. So they would, they've already got um, suppliers that provide batteries to them and that provide them in a way that they can uh, accommodate whatever build they're, they're going after. Well, that's interesting. I'm actually a little surprised by that. Yeah. I thought they were going to say, yes, we want a battery option, but start with something small that we can daisy chain together, right? Yep. Like something that we can stash, we can pile up in a trunk, we can stack, we can lay flat, we can kind of do whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of interesting. I'm I, with you. I, I thought they would say yes for develop something like that because they want to be able to order everything at once and get Ford performances, whatever, their support, get it from the dealer, the, you know, whatever warranty is included, like just kind of get all of that yep. stuff from Ford. And, and we'll certainly look at that. I mean, if the market changes and people start telling us that they want batteries from yeah. us, we'll start looking at that. But the, uh, the early adopters and the companies that are currently doing electric conversions, mm -hmm. they've told us they're okay with sourcing batteries on their own. Okay, so the you guys built an F one hundred outside. So tell us a little bit about that. So, so the, the basic idea of that vehicle was, um, you know, there's a lot of apprehension about putting an electric engine in anything other than an electric vehicle, right? Yeah. And um, we wanted to show people that you could build a really cool ride, that, and, and you don't really have to compromise. Right, that that vehicle when you get in it, it's got all the modern modern conveniences of a of a Mach E, mm -hmm. but yet has this classic F one hundred look that just looks killer driving down the street. And, and actually, someone I, I was giving an interview yesterday, and, and someone actually made a good point is, you know, today we have resto mods. Yeah. Right. This is like the next generation of resto mods, and there needs to be a new name for it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but, I don't know what it but is. But it's something to think about because it, it, this is the next the next iteration of resto mods. Yeah. So the F100 that you guys built, it uses two motors, mm -hmm. and it's all-wheel drive. It is. Are you, are you putting a motor front and rear, or are you putting two motors under the hood and then using more of a conventional all-wheel drive we're doing platform? front and rear. So okay, front and rear. Yep, it's front and rear. And how did you do that? So, so <laughs> did, you, did you take it out from underneath a Mach-E? <laughs> we, we took a lot of what was under a Mach-E and put it in there okay. um, just, to, just to get proof of concept. Yeah. And, and going forward... Uh, we'll we'll have some other variations of it to make it a little bit easier, but um, I think when we when we look at how people are doing it today, this is very similar to how a lot of the aftermarket companies are doing it. Yeah. Okay. So the the point of the electric motor is similar to your to your gas engine crate engines. At at some point, whatever electronics and stuff that could become available with the electric motor. It's it's the pared down version of that ECU and wiring like you do with your with your engines, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you know, up, up the control packs. The, you know, I have a twenty one Mach one. I pull that engine out. I pull that control pack out. That computer and everything out. It's a mess. It's tied into the whole car. But to get sort of the hot rod version of that wiring, lighter weight, easier to you know to install the program. The EV motor is going to have some version of that? And that's, that's exactly what we're looking at because uh, today's vehicles are so integrated. You have all these different modules all over the vehicle talking to each other. And, and what we do is exactly what you said with our control packs. We basically strip down the system 
to just the, the bare bones. What does it need to make the engine run in anything? Yeah. And, and it, it's not looking for other modules, body modules or ABS modules or anything like that, where if you didn't have those and you did what you recommended or mentioned, which was take the motor out of your, your uh, Mach 1 and then just rip all the wiring out as well, you're going to yeah. get a bunch of error codes. Yeah. And, and it's really frustrating, right? And, and really what we're, what we're here for is to eliminate the... Um, the uh, pain points that the customers have, and, and really make it as easy as possible. So, on the on the Mach E motor, I'm seeing that the future for that, I'm sorry, the Illuminate motor, the future for that is uh, the engine first, some form of a control pack mm -hmm. equivalent for for the vehicle, and then as I said earlier, we'll be looking at what are the pain points that the customers have in the installation. If yeah. they tell us, as, as we talk about batteries, if they say batteries are a pain point, then we'll look at what's the what's the solution that we can provide with the economies of scale that we get from production you know, vehicles and, and pass that savings on to the customer, make it easier for them to, to do their modifications. Well, it sounds fantastic, and I know the focus has been kind of on that, but again, this booth is full of, of parts, some new stuff. I saw a Ford Performance uh, supercharger package for the F-150 uh, for the 5-liter, I imagine. It is, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, although doing some compound boost would be kind of interesting if we could supercharge and turbocharge the EcoBoost. That'd be kind of fun. Yep. Uh, tell us about the supercharger package. So that package, is it's designed, as you said, it's for the 21 F-150. We've had we've also had one for the 20 and previous version of the F-Series as well. It sells, it's a really good seller of ours. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you if you look at that truck, it's really bringing back kind of the street truck look. Yeah. You know, you talked about your 95 Lightning that you yeah, had. Yeah. It's kind of reminiscent of that in a way. Um, and, and we we're starting to see um, a resurgence of the street truck market. And we think that that's a perfect product for those customers. Yeah, I agree. And the, um, the Bronco, right, we I just went out and did the uh, the the Bronco the rodeo event out here in Vegas. Saw the debut of the Bronco DR, which is cool. The accessories available, not just from the aftermarket, but directly from the dealers from Ford Performance as well. It's it's I don't know what you're up to and how many parts are available, but it's got to be several hundred. We're over 325 right now, right? And growing every day, completely honest. Uh, so, getting those vehicles, you can. Bring it back to your dealer, and you can accessorize it with a whole slew of things. Uh, and what you guys have have out here on display is is pretty fantastic. Oh, by the way, another another build from Two Cheese, the Bronco yep, yep. with the with the tank tracks on it. Is, that one's is, a little wild. That's a little bit more. It's than a little, what we'll be little. Yeah, we're not going to see many of those in California. That's for sure. No. Um, okay. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else that we're missing? Um, I just think, you know, you kind of touched on it. When you, when you look at SEMA, I mean, th this is a playground for enthusiasts, right? And, and you look at the Ford booth, and what's, what I think is really cool as an enthusiast myself is that you have every single Ford vehicle uh, here. Yeah. You know, and there isn't one that you can't say isn't cool, which is, which is amazing because every year, you know, we put out these requests, and we get, we get just awesome builds mm -hmm. on every single Ford vehicle, and it really shows the fact that we're building vehicles that, that enthusiasts like, right, and that, and that people want to modify, yeah. Well, you guys did a great job out here. Thanks so much, and uh, thanks for inviting us out to the Bronco event and inviting us into your SEMA booth and sitting down with us. The website for Ford Performance, where should we go for that? Accessories.ford.com. Perfect. All right, Mark. Thank you so much. Yep, Appreciate it. Quick break to tell you about Mack Weldon. You're busy. Stop thinking about what to wear. Embrace Mack Weldon's daily wear system, a selection of clothes 
Smart design, performance fabrics built to work together from breathable T-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear, and beyond. I have the Mack Weldon gear. I've worn it on, well, I've worn it on uh, Jimmy Kimmel's show. I've worn it on many appearances. It is that good looking and comfortable for the ultimate Lazy Sunday. Their Ace sweatshorts pair perfectly with their ultra-soft, ultra-upgraded Pima Tees. For weekend travel, their Silver Knit Polo and Radius Shorts are the perfect, high-tech, high-quality, packable combo. It's Mack Weldon. Right, Chris? Buy some time with the Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CarCast and enter promo code CarCast. That's MacWeldon.com slash CarCast. Promo code CarCast for 20% off Mack Weldon. Radically efficient wardrobing. All right, we're here with Jeff Ryan from JRI Shocks. How are you, Jeff? I'm fine. How are you? Doing well. You know, it's uh, we chatted at SEMA once before. It's been a minute. It's been a couple of years, but we've been working on some projects uh, together. Um, you know, the fans of CarCast have been hearing quite a lot about my Ford Lightning, what's been going on with that truck, and the suspension we've been developing. And I thought it might be a good opportunity to talk to you in person because you could better explain uh, what it is that we're using. And of course, we've used GRI shocks and some of Adam Krola's racing cars as well. I think uh, I think our Steve Millen 300ZX uh, Sebring car has got has got a pretty nice system on it that uh, you guys helped us out with, which we really appreciate. But we're here uh, at SEMA. We're we're in a booth called uh, Legacy EV. These guys have an electric Bronco, and although I'm seeing quite a bit of electric stuff here on the floor at mm-hmm. SEMA. This truck is knocking it out of the park, and I believe this company is going to be doing like production turnkey cars. I, I, I get that they're all kind of custom order, but the idea is to, to make enough that they can sort of order things in bulk and bring costs down. But this is a really, really nice piece, and they were working with you guys on this for the J-Ride suspension. Is that right? Correct. Tell us about the J-Ride suspension. How does that work? This is the same setup that I'm going to be putting on my Ford Lightning. What the J-Ride suspension is, it's a conventional damper in the sense that we still use a a primary piston of different configurations, which could be digressive, linear, 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 progressive, with a valve stack, a radial valve stack, as any other conventional shock absorber. What we're doing uh, internally is I'm controlling the pressure on each side of that piston whether it's going to see more pressure and make the piston work harder or less, giving it that the adjustment in the damping. It's always damping. It's 100% quality damping, and I'm able to make it variable by changing those pressures. Um, they're independent. So a lot of the industry leaders in, in electronic shocks are typically one direction, meaning you're stiffening the whole shock absorber up or you're softening the whole shock absorber right. up. And in the both the compression and rebound conditions, where we're independent, we have a valve on each side, so your your tuning ab- uh, abilities from what can be put inside in the valving and with the independent are endless. They're they're infinite. To be honest, they're infinite. Okay, and then the J Ride system takes the control of that shock and brings it into the cockpit of the vehicle or 
onto a touchscreen or a switch or whatever. So you don't have to get out and adjust the, you know, turn knobs on the coilovers now, yeah, right? For sure. I mean, it can be done in a number of different ways. The, on the Bronco, which we just looked at, has a three-position knob on it, and it's just a, a comfort, uh, a, a medium setting, and a sport setting. And it's, and it's very effective. It's a very robust, and it's not 2% change. They're, they're changes that you will feel, which is part of the driving experience, which makes it more enjoyable to right. run. Right, so an off-road vehicle like this, this would typically have maybe softer springs to go off-road, make it a comfortable ride. But the flaw with that is, is when you are getting on the highway or going from stoplight to stoplight, now it just seems like the truck's sort of hemming and hawing, just tilting forward, tilting back, and every time you hit the brakes, it dives and hit the throttle, and it really kind of leans back, and it's just, it's not ideal for for just kind of everyday street driving. So what you guys are doing is, with a switch or a knob on the dash, taking over the control of those shocks. Yes, and, and you're exactly right. When it, they are kind of, they're tall, and they're and they're soft yeah and so you get a lot of pitching motion and roll motion so with this if you're off road or just a dirt road or even a rough road that's a good condition to be in it having it soft you're having the wheels coming up into the wheel wells uh you're getting motion out of the wheels and it's making a more comfortable ride for the occupant inside once you get onto some flatter things and your your speeds are coming up that roll and that pitching motion and braking and acceleration can be uh not fun to drive. Yeah. And with the click of just that switch on this particular vehicle, you put it into the range where you want it to be. You know, so like you mentioned, some of the horsepower these things can create, you, you definitely would want it. But you could have it to be more on the rear so it's not squatting as much or diving in the front. So they're independent that way on axle to axle also. How how extreme is the, the for lack of a better term, how extreme is the variation that you can control within the shocks, right? Because, for example, on my truck, we've been talking about, I, I know you guys have been working on it already, but, you know, we want, a, we want a comfortable street setting and then a track setting, and that's pretty common. You see a lot of guys be able to do that. We tighten everything up, really control the roll. You can throw it around corners. But the third setting for us is a drag race setting. So now it's a lot of shifting weight to the back. It's a pickup truck with... Mm-hmm hopefully a thousand horsepower and the only way i'll be able to get any sort of traction is really if i can turn it into almost a drag race suspension do you have that much control in your system oh uh, yeah we could we could give you what the old you know since i've been in racing the 90 tens in the rear where we give you 90 percent rebound and 10 percent compression so it can squat down then on the front we would give you the, more so the, maybe the opposite if it's coming up, you're putting the wheel down. But that's all done like the, the model you've got has the touch screen, I, I believe, right? We, we have a switch that we put in there. I think the touch screen, we're, we're, we're pre-programming it, and we might add the touch screen later. Right now, it's just about where to put it. But, okay. But, yeah, with but that. But I made a rocker switch for it with the three settings, okay. so then you and guys then, can. Yeah, with that screen, you can go in and then change those three parameters yeah. to anything you want. You're at the drag strip that afternoon, and then you want to go home, number two. And then you're, it, it starts raining, number three. It depends on the. There's no condition you can't adjust to. It's just learning. It's like learning anything yeah. else. And then knowing your, because your your vehicle is very much a specialty vehicle, and you're going to be probably the most intimate with it. You're going to tune it the way you like it, and the truck's going to learn to see, 
learn more, how you like to drive it. Yeah, and okay. And we'll work together with it. So not to put you on the spot, but I am. I've seen a lot of other shock companies, suspension companies, over the years attempt to do some sort of cockpit-controlled coilover system. Uh, some even came to market, then were off the market. How How is it that these other companies, I, maybe... Maybe it worked and it was too expensive, or it didn't work the way they thought, and they pulled it off the market. But how is it that you guys are doing it, and it seems like nobody else is able to I get mean, it done? Cost can always play a role in it. Um, I, I think it comes down to a lot of just how we're con- how we're controlling that electronic function of it. Mm-hmm. Some do it di- in different manners how it's done. Um, the, the basic design I told you about in the beginning is one I believe in. in uh, I've been in the shock absorber business now over 40 years, and I've made a lot of mistakes. And I learned how to, I've learned what quality damping is, and bad quality damping. Bad quality damping sometimes looks great on a dyno; it's very pretty and small. And right, but when it comes to what it's got to give back to the operator and connect him to his or her vehicle, it's not there. So I think from the base, just looking at the the, the uh, hardware of the shock itself is super important to the design how we've made it we've lived through that kind of uh gray cloud of whether people are gonna is it gonna make it or not yeah because like when you get yours i'm gonna offer you to where it's so sloth soft you hate it and so (laughs) stiff you hate it and then in between you're gonna find where you like it that's that's the range that's the range of it. it'll be that that great where you're gonna have to wear a mouth guard for your teeth being when it's that stiff and then have one of those little airplane bags when it's too soft because you're going to get car sick. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm driving it now, and the suspension's mostly stock. It's it's lowered a little bit, but stock springs and everything. And it, it's just hard to believe. Like I know that the truck is a little bit older now, but you just you just drive down the freeway and you hit a dip in the road, like in California on the 405. And you're flying out of the seat. Like, you're like, what just happened to me? I thought I was going to hit my head on the ceiling. Like, it, it definitely needs uh, some work. And it's all been, like, about how to smooth that out, which is the case with so many of the cars that are out here, especially on the SEMA show floor. We've got cars going out to, like, the Optima Challenge. And I would imagine those guys need to start to take notice to what you're doing because right now they're just kind of tuning it with the dial on the yeah. shock which is what you guys have as well right you have yeah. very tunable coilovers yeah. but to be able to bring that into the cockpit do it on, they can drive out to the event in a nice street mode not even get out of the car and put it in track yeah. mode and just go uh, our my first inclination to bring a commercial was for Optima Challenge and Pro Touring Cars. And we built uh, the JRI 1970 Supernova that had our hydraulic ride height and this. But the the racing crowd, uh, the the competitors in that really know their cars and they know their suspensions and their coilovers and where they want them. And it it was a little harder of a sell because I think of some of those companies you mentioned before that kind of came and went because they just weren't delivering what they what, what they, you know, put in front of people and that and that's another area we'll grow back into because these adjustments are is as much as crawling under the car and doing your rebound adjustment with your little pin yeah where you're trying not to burn your arm on your exhaust you can get the you can get the same result by turning it and never taking your seatbelt off 
Now, you and, mentioned- I, and I've got to just educate people more right. on that. Now, you mentioned a minute ago uh, ride height adjustability as well. That's another component that you can offer with the J-Ride system or without the J-Ride system. And tell us how that works. This is not an air ride system. This is a full coilover system that yeah, you guys the, are... And this was done for uh, the, the Pro Touring and the, the Optimum type cars, too. For some of the people that would actually drive their car to the event, they were able to raise and lower it for a, a comfortable ride height for a freeway, uh, street, you know, city street. Yeah. But they at the racetrack, they can drop it. Uh, we don't have a lot of, you know, motion in it. We have two inches... And it's to get into driveways or trailers that are hard. And with that, because the coil springs on the race cars play such a kind of a critical role on the on the weight of the car in the corners, that doesn't change your pushing on the coil itself. And it has an adjustable perch um, as well to to still fine tune it if you're on scales, yeah. for instance. So you're you're kind of taking part of the body of of the coilover. Imagine the separate body. separate from. Yeah. from the, where the spring is, and like you said, not a lot of movement, about two inches of movement, and you could basically shrink or expand the body of that, so it's yeah. moving the eyelets, yeah. or whatever, it, it's the upper, up and down. Imagine the upper body cap, easy yeah. way to explain. It's not happening right there, but you're making your shot grow two inches, and with that, because it's on a spring, it's going to have to push something up, so it's pushing your body up. And, and how is it down. doing it? Is it an electric motor that's in there? Uh, we have a hydraulic pump that's a a hydraulic obviously pump. run on, okay. you know, uh, through a current, and we're just we're pushing fluid into a small cylinder, um, and using the, the hydraulic power advantage that why well, use hydraulics yeah. on caterpillars and garbage trucks, you know. Sure. And really, the design of itself is I've been making them for darn near almost forty years from the IndyCar car industry, where we had weight jackers and they were hydraulic, only could run them on one quarter, and with this, we're able to run them on all four, and then uh, put put power to them and then your your pump runs while it's lifting and then it turns itself off and to lower it you just hit a switch and it just allows the fluid to go back into the reservoir so it's fairly it's fairly straightforward and simple it's a it's a cool system what you guys are doing is fantastic stuff is there anything else uh, you want to add to it what's what's coming out new what's what's on the horizon for jri well we're always working on new uh products in our passive side of mm-hmm. things where there's no electronics because electronics there's some areas they're very welcomed and there's some areas in racing they're very much not welcomed so we're always looking to improve our uh, adjustment methods our you know high and low speed independent adjustments okay. where they don't talk to each other and always reducing friction and trying to to get a, a very high quality part at a, you know at a, a at a cost that we can get them to more customers because sometimes you can build a hundred percent perfect shock that only one percent of the, not even that point zero 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 one percent of yeah. the racing population can afford so okay. we're trying, it, it's a it's a battle like any other company in in this sport um, goes through now and a lot of what you guys do are are uh, systems that would require fabrication, right? When you're when you're doing the the coilover shocks, how you're fitting them in. Are you guys getting more into direct fit systems, more make and model specific? Yeah, what we have for make and models, uh, we have actually very um, very well educated distributors, dealers of ours. Mm-hmm. Some that concentrate just on maybe more Mustangs, some maybe more on just Chevrolet products, some maybe more on the Mopar side. 
uh, I, 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 I rely heavily on their knowledge and then and them telling me what we need to be doing for fitment. The shock absorber part's easy. It's the fitment part. That's right. That the when you're turning part. the wheel and you're in roll, that it's not hitting anything. And those are the those are, those are the guys that um, who you probably know who they are that that keep keep me honest. Right. You know? So a lot of the direct fitment stuff is working with partners that specialize in. Those, you know, like the Mustang guys, they do a bunch of Mustang parts. You're going to develop a shock yeah. for them, but they're going to be able to sell yeah. the direct fit package. It's work with the people that have the passion for that vehicle, yeah, right. that type of platform. You can never go wrong. My whole career, I've found that don't take a f- somebody who loves a Ford and make them work on a Camaro. Sure. It's just it's heartbreaking to watch the pain <laughs> they go through to have to do that. Uh, Jeff, well, thank you so much. The information is amazing. The, uh, the Legacy EV looks cool. I got the peek under the hood of this thing, literally underneath it, and see the J-Ride suspension mounted and installed and kind of see how it works. It was yeah. kind of cool for me to be able to see that in person. Yeah. I grabbed a bunch of photos I'll throw up on our social media as well, but where do we find you guys online? Uh, JRIShocks.com <laughs> Social media well, Look it off to the yeah. press guys Where are we again? JRIShocks.com yeah, Alright, that's the website uh, Awesome, thank you I really appreciate your time Okay, thank you And look forward to you getting your, your package on your truck And you enjoying it I am so excited about it Quick break to talk to you about good guys Their 31st Autumn get-togethers upon us. Good Guys Rod and Custom Association is coming to Pleasanton, California for the 31st Autumn get-together at the Alameda County Fairgrounds on November 13th and 14th. Over 2,500 American-made or powered cars and trucks on display with autocross, burnout competitions, and a vintage dragster exhibition, huge swap meet and hundreds of cars for sale. So if you listen to the show, you love cars, you want to get down there fun for the whole family, including live entertainment, demolition derby and a free kids zone tickets on sale. Now at goodguys.com. free admission for kids six and under use the promo code CarCast for five bucks off a spectator ticket. That is good guys. Dot com to get your tickets. All right, I'm here now with my friend Dave Davis from Anderson Composites. Now, the name Anderson Composites has been coming up quite a bit on the podcast uh, the last uh, few months. Uh, it's no secret that my car has been over with you guys for a while. You've been developing some parts. Now, I know the plan was we were going to bring the car here, debut some stuff, but uh, what can we say? Shit happens. And, uh, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> right. And, uh, it, you know, we, we've covered it already, but SEMA's kind of a, a different world right now. It is, uh, it is. Among other things. Really so uh, we will have the car available at some events in the future. We're talking about uh, Grand Prix of Long Beach, maybe Fabulous Fords Forever. But I thought we could sit down and at least finally just spill the beans and talk about what we're going to do on the car, as well as some of the other cars that you guys have been working on, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about so Mach I gotta, 1. I got yes. ask you, you, know, you picked up the car, what, a week ago? Yeah. How is it? It's, it's great. Know you well, did, you there didn't was, have it for about, what, two months? Two months, yeah. Because Magnaflow had it. Magnaflow had it, and they brought it directly to you guys. And you never saw it. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. it. You sent me a video and a photo, and that was it. And... Uh, 
it's great. So I picked it up, and of course, the one day I pick it up, as we knew, we're like, it's going to rain a little. It was pouring rain so hard. And I told you, I said, do you want to hold on to it for a day? Because I had it inside. Yeah. I had it detailed the previous Friday, and even I didn't want to let it go. I was just like, you know what? Yeah. It's just too nice. I I would hear that car start up every morning, and it's just like, oh, this is really cool. But that's why I had to ask you. It was like, I, I really don't want to see this car out there in the rain. So, Well, it, um, but it, it got wet. You, it definitely got you wet. Were, you just had that look in your eye like, I'm coming, and I don't care. It, it was... And it was just coming back into town, and there was already so much stuff planned for the week and podcasts we had to get back. So it was kind of the only day to do it, but there was so much rain, I could barely see. I saw three accidents and a flipped-over semi-truck between your shop and my place back in Venice. An hour ride. Let me just tell you, California has a hard time driving in the rain, (laughs) apparently. But I got it back, brought it into the warehouse, uh, wiped it all down, and it's good. Uh, it sounds fantastic. The Magnaflow exhaust looks great. And the carbon tips on the Magnaflow exhaust are going to be a good little addition to the stuff that we're working on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The Magnaflow stuff always, as, as on the TRX and on a Corvette we've got in-house now, always looks great. So so, so we'll talk about the, uh, the Mach 1 stuff, but uh, let's talk about the TRX that you have here. So we're, in, we're actually in the Magnaflow booth. And instead of you guys having a booth here this year, you just uh, parked your TRX right here in the <laughs> Magnaflow booth. It was a good little partnership, but it's the bright blue. You guys got a bunch of carbon fiber bits on it. Tell us a little bit about those. So, yeah, the carbon, we actually introduced those carbon fiber parts probably about a month ago. We've had the truck in for development. It's actually a, a company truck. So we went about, as we usually do for our type of products, um, we take off the OE parts, we make a mold, uh, we have to learn how they're fastened to the, the actual car body to determine the best type of reinstallment because uh, your polyurethane parts are going to flex more than our carbon fiber parts. So okay. that is always the learning curve. That's the part where you have to sp- uh, have a little more attention to how to reapply something. So. What we did is we came out, we took apart our TRX, uh, we introduced a hood, a full carbon fiber hood, which has the center hood scoop, and you can also get, if you want it, didn't want a whole hood, you could get the two side vents, the center scoop, the front upper grill, the lower grill, the headlight surrounds, uh, fender vents, and the taillight surrounds right now, and next year... We're already gonna. We're already planning on doing uh, probably at least one version of a, of the fender flare. Maybe maybe an accentuated flare as well. Okay. So right now, what we what we've seen here is you've taken a lot of the stock pieces and made carbon fiber Correct. versions. It's a nice little cosmetic upgrade for everything. But if you want to step up to the full carbon hood, there is a nice weight reduction for that as well. You know what? I think it's kind of maybe the same. I believe the OE hood might be all aluminum. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. If I had that spec, it should be on our website on the product page for that hood. But for the fender flares, you guys were saying you might do a a stock replacement in carbon and then something a little, a little, wider. A little bigger. Yeah, usually like great because the TRX the, needs to be bigger. <laughs> it needs to be wider. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, 
That's actually a fun truck. Fun truck to drive. I was very. Yeah. I, I got to drive it out. So it was like, get on it and it moves. And it reminds me of the Raptor we had back in 2017. So yeah. we did the same thing: an OE flare, a wider flare, and then we went even step further. We did an integrated fender and flare. Okay. So it, a lot more options, but hopefully we'll do the same same scenario for the TRX platform. So. Now, weight's not really a much of a concern on the TRX. No. It's mostly the cosmetic changes. And yeah. honestly, on this truck here, the Sprite Blue, with all the carbon fiber pieces, really looks fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. But we want to talk about weight reduction. How did you guys end up doing on the C8 Corvette? Because you did a lot on that. The weight reduction we introduced last year, we introduced uh, C8 parts, more of an OE-type replacement. Mm-hmm. The biggest weight savings on that car were the doors, the roof, and the hood and deck lid. So you've done a, a full carbon fiber CA pretty much at this point. As of this week right now, yeah. we have. Uh, but getting back to what we did last year, we had uh, fenders, hood, roof, doors, rear deck, rear fenders, and we had some diffuser fins that we introduced but we did the math and i think we shaved off about 76 77 pounds off that car now that car started out as a uh, it was a base model stingray mm-hmm. so this this time this year right now we're working on a c8 y track package it's very close to what uh, gm just introduced uh this week with the z06 yeah so we're we're we are three inches wider in the front three and a half inches wider in the rear. Wow. You can run 20-inch wheel in the front and a 21-inch in the rear, and you can still use your factory doors. So there's some options there. You don't want to have to do the entire car carbon, but right. we are. And it, right, it looks badass. Yeah. I tell you. It, yeah, I saw, the, I saw the photos and stuff that you sent me earlier. Yeah. You're like, this thing is looking it's, good. It's, uh, it, yeah, we stand back and look at it. I mean, it's on the rack, and it looks like, you're like this this environment's not good but you're just like oh and then you just get quiet like this is like badass yeah it's looking pretty cool and no shortage of c8s out here on the steamer show for no, broncos and c8s yeah. i know you guys are going to be doing some bronco stuff at some point yes we're already we're getting our hands on parts right now and we're already we're already shaping and, and making our designs uh let me ask you about the carbon parts that go on the vehicles what do you recommend to people to maintain them or protect them and and do we still have issues with like carbon yellowing and 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 whatnot like it used to be it used to be pretty big issue it seems like it's like i don't know it seems like it's a less of an issue now maybe there's different coatings or something you're doing in the oh absolutely absolutely i mean you could a lot of companies like right generally speaking you're going to want to treat your your composite surface just like you would a regular painted surface i mean you it's the sun will oxidize it you know are you do you clean it do you wax it Mm -hmm. do you polish it but now you know with the different options we have you could do ceramic coating on them you could do a, a, a film some people option they they want to put a color tint they do a clear coat okay. so all of these things help but it's usually your like you said the hoods anything that's more flat on top gets the most sunlight yeah you're going to want to pay more attention to that we always tell everybody to use heat shields 
regardless if it's, if it's fiberglass or carbon fiber, any heat shields on a hood. Because underneath, that, underneath the underneath, hood, right. where, where the engine is. You want some sort of heat shield. You want to get that heat out, there. right. Yeah, okay. All right, well, that's good. And then the paint protection films that we're seeing on cars, it's really gotten a lot better over the years. Oh, yeah. It's fine. We could do it all on carbon fiber pieces. We can do it on anything, right? What we suggest is you consult a professional, though, <laughs> okay? I'm not, right. Yeah, okay. Because we've had some, some calls and people who decide to do it themselves and do it on the cheap. yeah. And, and it's not pretty. So do your homework, consult a professional. Yeah. And well, I would say that about whatever the hell you're going to wrap or, or PPF. Okay, right. But <laughs> I just can't send somebody off and just say, hey, you know, yeah, don't, don't, go, go, go do the best you can. And, you know. Yeah, good luck. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that. Get it, get it done the right way. Take it to the shop and get it done. Uh, okay, so we've got C8, we've got TRX, we've got Bronco coming out soon. Uh, let's talk about the Mustang stuff. Mustang, Mach 1, though. Yes. Yeah. You're, uh, we've got a hood coming out that I've been sending you pictures. Yes. And I even sat in the car to get, like, what... To make what, sure a short guy could short see guy, over like, I'm like, because I noticed that. I'm <laughs> yeah. like... I was like, I got to be able to see outside. Right, right. I'm like, I think Matt can understand this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, everybody's looking at it and saying, hey, that looks pretty good from the outside. And I thought, how would, how would Dave think about that? And what would Matt think about that? I better sit in the yeah, car. Yeah, better get into the car. So what you guys have been working on is a a full carbon fiber hood. Correct. But with a scoop on it, Correct. which a lot of people have saying the Mach 1 sort of was missing. And instead of doing the scoop on the engine and cutting a hole in the hood, which is an option. I think CDC, CDC or somebody has it. Correct. Right. It's cool. But we had talked about what if you were going to start to make different changes to the engine or modifications or supercharge or whatever. Uh, having that scoop on the engine doesn't necessarily attach. So what if the scoop was right. attached to the hood and had that same look? And that's what you guys have been developing. Correct. We basically took that 6970 design, that shaker style, uh, applied it to what you know, something in 2019 with the body styling of the Mustang is yeah. because your 18 to 21 is basically an OE hood. Yeah. They're going to tell us to put a mask on. This is the announcement. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Right, you like, think it's the, uh, okay, yeah. hey, the show's closing. They're closing. They're closing. Like, no, turn off is, the lights here. In a this is the guy who keeps telling everyone to put a mask on. Uh, yeah, there he is. We'll let him finish up. So what... What you guys did on the scoop was took that style, kind of the like the aluminum cast aluminum finned look of the '69. But then we, we even texted back and forth. Like I think it needs to be a little more modern. It has to fit the lines right. of of a 2021 Mustang. Right. So how do you sort of blend the styles? And what we talked about was on the the roof of the Mustang kind of has like almost like gurney bubbles kind of built in kind of right down the center is a probably I don't know what is it two feet wide there's a yeah a, a dip it's like center, a little bit of a, and dip. There's a ridge that goes through the whole curvature of the top yeah. from front to back so the the roof of the car definitely has some character to it right and you guys basically kind of took that style and mimicked it to the to the to the top of the screen. Kind of, but we also tried to pull in some of the originality of the shaker. We eliminated all the top fins, so it mm-hmm. doesn't. It's not busy. It doesn't look 
we didn't want it to look tacked on. Right. It doesn't look you like know? a 1969 piece. It, right. It's, you know, there has to be the right... A little flow to it. Look. It's yeah. not big like an old school snorkel scoop. And it's it's subtle and, and, it, and it fits in the proportion of the hood as well. Because we were looking at the profile, the depth... Um, which is the deceiving. length of it, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. How far back is it going to go? Actually, when you pop that hood, you'll you'll discover that a, the factory hood actually goes back much further back in the cowl area yeah, of the car. So that really limited us as far as the actual scoop depth of the of the scoop area. Mm-hmm. And I started doing some little more science on it. I said, well, how much air do I think is going to be coming into this scoop? Because it we made it functional. We put an air scoop or air duct that goes to your open air box. Yeah. You know, we molded it from your uh, hood liner, so when your hood would come down, it'll seal. We mm-hmm. did that same design with the tw- 2018 Dodge Demon. So, and also our red eye hood. So we took that same idea, but tried to make it totally work because it doesn't exist from Ford or anybody else yet. Yeah. So it took some fabrication on our in-house uh, fabricator to basically shape that and to give it some depth so it's, it's actually functional. So And that was a kind of a big thing that we talked about as well. Is like, you know, I, I love the style characteristics of, you know, a lot of things we see in the aftermarket, but not when you, really when it's not functional, uh, especially in the Mustang world. We had so many companies making, you know, in the SN95 area, uh, era era and the new edge era a lot of fake side scoops a lot of fake hood scoops so we were saying it should be functional and it should clear the factory strut tower brace correct <laughs> right so you could just put yeah. it on right. and not have to take that right. off so uh clearance was an issue you guys solved that correct and yes it is functional and we'll show you guys some some photos as we move along with this we'll post them up on social media of course we'll we'll get it up on the car and we'll take some photos get sure. some nice hero shots of it but as you said the scoop is integrated to the hood and then underneath the hood sort of sort of flat kind of flush it's 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 basically has hidden pockets almost tubes like almost flat kind of tubes and it, it feeds the, uh, the 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 conical filter in there it's sort of a big cold air filter it's, it's actually one one tube one, one flat tube. tube that arcs over to your yeah. open air box and it'll feed that so yeah uh, I think it's I think it's going to work out great oh, I think it's going to be fantastic the, now we're the hood the factory hood just seals on top of that uh, on top of the air filter right. area so this doesn't have it doesn't have the air box like you guys think. Like you open the hood, it's a big plastic. Well, the, yeah, the factory box the, is the closed. factory box, it, right? Right. So this is an open element filter, Correct. and then the hood seals on it. And there's a big right. rubber gasket around the whole thing, so you're able to do that. But we haven't altered anything else. So whatever Ford is doing to pull air into that air cleaner area, that's all still stock and functional. Correct. But now we have the additional right. scoop bringing in some cold air from outside, as long as it's cold outside. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so it should it should work out. It should work out pretty good. It yeah. looks fantastic. Ford did some interesting things. I'm not quite sure about the the air ducting there on the factory grill. There is a, a, a rubber duct, if I remember correctly, yeah. 
towards the bottom, and I'm not sure what their idea is with the the blacked out fog light holes. Yeah, you know, on um, on older cars, maybe it was when they did the Boss 302 from a f- from several years ago. Those were removable, and they said, "Hey, put Option. them in when you're driving around town because it blocks the air and it's better gas mileage. And when you hit the track, you can pop them out and get additional cooling." And these, it's funny because these plastic ones feel like they're snapped in. I just haven't had time to dig into it to see if they're removable. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what what the next step is going to be. I, yeah, I think something's going to happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig into it and figure out what it is. Look, if they're removable, I'll send them to you. You can make <laughs> carbon fiber grills out of them. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 plus we'll have the we'll have the carbon fiber two lower splitters, mm-hmm. the air duct on the bottom corner, yep. both sides. The you're front, doing the wing, the front, the front fender lip. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we already make the rockers, the rear swing, mm-hmm. the rear mud flaps, the rear diffuser from the GT500. So we just need right. to verify that they'll fit on a Mach 1. We we believe so. So a lot of the black plastic that's on and around the lower areas of the car is could be all be replaced with carbon fiber. And curious, do you do a satin finish and a gloss finish. What are the options when your carbon fiber pieces? For those parts, they're going to be those parts are going to be vacuum infused, so they'll have a gloss finish. That's okay. usually the tell sign. Uh, we do offer some newer parts, like for the C8, that are dry carbon fiber that we uh, will apply a clear coat on, so they'll have a gloss finish. So all of the that description for those products is on the website. I mean, it's a whole list. But yeah. Generally speaking, if it's if it's got a high luster finish, it's it's vacuum infused. So yeah, for your for your for the Mach One for your car, it'll it should all be gloss. Yeah, I think it'll look fantastic. Um, I was thinking, is is the hood on on the Mach One aluminum? I believe it is. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be much of a weight savings. It's just more about probably the whole new- not. It'll be close. Yeah, because there's a lot more going because you've added a hood scoop. You've added the tubing underneath it. Right. You know, even though it's carbon fiber, there's a lot going on in there. It'll uh, be, and then uh, the bracing and stuff that it needs. Yeah, for most of our newer products for hoods, it's double-sided carbon fiber, so it's lighter than our regular mm-hmm. single-sided carbon fiber because the backside would be fiberglass. So Yeah. Again, you can see the pictures on the website. If it's double-sided, you can see the diagonal weave on the back. Okay. And it's just as tight as it is on the top side. So it's it's mm-hmm. uh, much lighter. So we're going to have to uh, come up with something interesting to be able to show off underneath the hood, but do some sort of heat shielding under there, some sort of coating or something underneath there. What we usually recommend is, is a Thermotech brand or a DEI brand yeah. type. Uh, heat shield material it's it's the self-adhesive you can basically cut it out you degrease make sure the back side of your hood mm-hmm. is completely clean you get yourself a little uh, roller like home depot yeah it's like putting it down dynamat or yeah, hush mat exactly. or, or any idea. of that yeah right is there a spray version that you guys i believe like? there's a spray version available we don't offer that i think dei has it i think um Lizard skin has it. I just don't know how effective it is on heat radiation as opposed to... Yeah, there's. they usually have their specs yeah. for heat ranges and best applications. Just, 
something I'll have to take a look at to see. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it sounds uh, it sounds awesome. You guys got a bunch of great new parts coming out. Um, uh, it, this stuff looks amazing. Again, looking at the TRX out here, uh, it, it really looks good. Thank you. It, yeah. a, it really is a standout feature, especially with this color combination. You guys did a great job on picking the bright blue truck. We always try to pick the, the blue. That's more of a yeah, company yeah, it's color. Kind of color. But yeah. I, I noticed, too, that even the, the Ford Bronco with the red, mm-hmm. we borrowed one for a while. It was it's. I thought this is going to look great, too. I mean, the, even the orange color that they have... Uh, all that's just going to make the carbon fiber stand out even more. It's just mm-hmm. a good compliment, and the gray for your Mach One is going to be nice too. I got to tell you because it's got that. It's not just like the battleship gray. Yeah. It's got a little, a little, a little more color to it. It does, and it's interesting. It looks darker at night, uh, and then in the in the sun, it gets really kind of light grayish and. I, I think the plan maybe is to to just show the whole carbon fiber hood for a while, but at some point I think I'm going to bring it in. And the the Mach One stripe kit on the front has it has gloss black, it has a satin black, and then it has an orange pinstripe going through it. So on the hood, and it says Mach One. So on the hood, it has two different shades of the black and the orange stripe. And uh, at some point, I want to take the hood that you guys designed I want to paint it the fighter jet gray do one of the black stripes mm-hmm. and the orange stripe and then the majority of the black stripe that goes all the oh, way up the leave that as the carbon fiber oh yeah and I think uh, it would look fantastic just, and you'll great. see and then you'll have the hood scoop with it as well so uh, it'll I think it'll look really cool that way oh, it'll look good yeah that'll look I think that would and with the carbon smart. fiber bits around the edges as oh, well, all around, ties it's, it all it's really going to look. It's going to look sharp with that gray. So, um, I think it does well. I, you've seen on the Mach One closer than anybody at this point. I would imagine is all the black plastic pieces. They did a little bit different texture on it. Yeah, they gave it a little. I guess you call it a little more tooth to it. Yeah, they did. Oh, almost through a texture, they almost tried to simulate kind of the carbon fiber. Weave yeah, in a, a little sense. of a pattern. Yeah, they try to give it something other than just yeah, you're, you're just the black plastic. Yeah, you know? it looked like, like it was yeah. Some they kind gave of it rough surface, you're right? They gave it a little bit of a thought on design on it, so it's kind of interesting. So, and I remember what we were looking at. We're like, this will translate really well to carbon fiber pieces. So. Oh, absolutely. But all right, Dave, thank you so much. The website is AndersonComposites.com, as Dave mentioned. Uh, if you go on the website, you'll see the whole catalog of stuff, all the cars that they outfit, more than what we just talked about here. And you'll see all of the options between dry carbon and and the other stuff and the gloss and whatever. So there's a lot up there. We oh, can't yeah, go absolutely. through it all. <laughs> it's all there. Any questions, give us a call. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Let me tell you about our friends over at Geico. Whether you own your home or rent your home, you know it can be a lot of work. And uh, But you know what's easy? It's bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And we know that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All right, we're actually in the Amsoil booth. We're in the Amsoil booth. With our friend Gail Banks. How are you? I'm good. Man, I, I, 
I, I wish we could talk a lot about the truck that you have here on display, but mm -hmm. without a visual component. It's I'll, a visual thing. I, I took a bunch of photos. I'll put it up on my social media. I know you guys were thrashing. I don't even think that's the right word. <laughs> but talk about SEMA Crunch. The right word is burn down. Oh, my gosh. You I guys redefined SEMA Crunch. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing looks fantastic, and I'll show you guys some of the details. I think maybe you come back again into the studio. We can go through some of the, the vehicle a little bit more. Love to. Love to. But what I want to talk about is some of the new parts that you guys have. Of course, the big thing is the crate engine, yes. which is the reason why you built this truck to begin with. Right? It's a showcase. Yeah. Right on. So tell us about the, tell us about the engine. Well, the engine's based on uh, the GML5P, which is the newest version of the Duramax. Okay. We kind of put it on steroids because there's a lot of Banks product involved in the build of, of these crate engines. It starts with the lower crankcase and the oil sump and the oil pickup and all of that. We've turned the, the engines up to 6,300 RPM, which is twice the original speed of the engine. Our ECM will go to 8,000 RPM. Diesel combustion... It's basically done at about 5,500. Right, okay. So those guys that won Le Mans with a diesel, which, which I think it was Audi, right? They did it four years, I believe, beating gasoline with a diesel in the world's most prestigious race. Right. That did 24 hours. We were sharing the turbo development with those guys. Oh, wow, okay. And we were doing a road race truck at the same time based on the Duramax. The L5P is a, the Duramax was originally an Isuzu design. They built a plant in Moraine, Ohio. Isuzu owned 60% of that plant, GM 40%, and they built the engines together in Moraine, Ohio. And, and I got to tell you, the attitude of the workers in that plant, that plant is awesome, yeah. absolutely awesome. They're like family, literally. So bank parts go into the engines and on the engines on the assembly line there. So we have our own part numbers for, for various engine builds. The stuff that can't go on with their tooling, uh, their tooling is dedicated to their engine, their version of the engine. We make our unique parts, like the lower crankcase, etc., go down the line and bolt on with their automated tooling. But some of the stuff you can't do. With these crate engines, we're, we're also putting in our own camshaft, uh, our own valve springs and our own push rods to get the engine to breathe better beyond the pickup truck mm -hmm. range of RPM. So we'll be doing marine versions of this engine, which will turn like 3,800 RPM to 4,000. And then we're doing the automotive crate engines, which will turn nominally 4,400. Uh, I, I need a camshaft to get me there. Yeah. And I needed a camshaft specific to the supercharger that's on this truck. Nobody's optimized a supercharged diesel. Right. They're always turbocharged. About. Right. Duramax so. with the big supercharger that you have on yes. there now. Now, we did, did um, monster truck uh, engine development for a while, super turbo, where we ran a, a screw blower and two turbos. Yeah. And we, we got over 1,200 horsepower with that. Sequencing the, the turbos and the blowers one way, you can... You can put the turbos first, or you can put the blower first. Right. Generally speaking, uh, I have I have put the blower first. Like, I developed some engines for the Navy, Duramax-based engines, which were super, super turbo. So the supercharger blows into the turbos. 
that works quite well. But I, I wanted to try it the other way around. So the turbos blow into the supercharger. And although I made 1,200 horsepower, it was the wrong way. The blower becomes like a flow regulator. Yeah, okay. It's sucking at first, and then it's in the way once the turbos get lit. Doing it the other way around, if the blower helps you out of the hole, and then the way we valve the air into the system, if the blower can't keep up, my system bypasses the blower on the top end. I think I can get 14 to 1500 with the same supercharger and turbos done correctly. Yeah. I just had to find out, you know. Right. The crate engine program draws off of that. Uh, I call that series Mad Max. Yeah. Because okay. when you see the super turbo engine, yeah. It's freaking Mad Max all the way. I saw a version of it at your shop in the dyno room. Yeah. Like you were building a, a, a one of the super turbos at the time. Yes. Whatever. Well, they're and, pretty awesome either way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're they're interesting to look at, just to physically look at what's going on. Exactly. It's a hell of a lot going exactly. on. Exactly. There. And there is a hell of a lot going on. Yeah. The way you manage the machines, you know. Right. We're developing supercharger management and turbocharger management. That's a, it, it's its own piece of electronics. Yeah. So uh, we've developed a module that will be used for a variety of things. Water methanol injection is, is one of them. Control of superchargers, control of turbochargers, turbocharger wastegates, all that jive. We're, we're going to run Pikes Peak in June uh, with our road race GMC pickup uh, with the Duramax. Depending on how this works... It might be supercharged. It'll okay. probably be a super turbo. But controlling the turbos so they don't unwind themselves, overspeed, and kill themselves, nobody has a controller like that. Right, okay. Because who the hell does start the race at 9,400 feet? Well, first of all, we'll be practicing at, like, sea level right. in the truck. Then we'll go to Pikes Peak International Raceway. It's around 6,100 feet work on handling then we start the, the speed trial the hill climb at 9400 feet and it ends at 14,110 yeah the air gets awfully thin up there right and you got to spin the hell out of the turbo to keep up the power level it's called altitude compensation so we're designing an altitude compensation control that gives you a, a, all you can get but it doesn't frag the turbo compressors. Okay. That's the whole idea of the this controller will do a wealth of things. Well, thinking about how long you've been at this game and the advances in the technology side of things. Yeah. That's that's the game changer. Like that's the thing that you've been noticing the most. Like, well, people claim, you know, they claim, "Hey, hey, this is new or this is different and we're different and our products are better and what have you. I talked about the lower crankcase and oil sump and all that jive. I reduce aeration, I reduce oil temperature, and improve horsepower at the same fuel and boost. So how, do, how does that happen? It's happening in the sump. Yeah. Uh, and I'm removing parasitic loss, and I'm keeping the air out of the oil, aeration. So it gives it a higher film strength better engine life, all that jive. I'm not just saying this is new. The United States Patent Office happens to agree. So I got a patent on it. Cold air intakes. Yeah. 
two days ago, I, I got a patent on cold air intake changes that we'll be do, doing. It, you might say, hey, I don't need that. You know what? But I'll tell you, if you buy a cold air intake, you want it to do something. Yeah. And we figured out how to make it even better. Right. And it's a piece of electronics that has to do with the sensors. We can make the flow passages bigger and correct, which would make incorrect the reading of the uh, MAF sensor. So we've come out with a, a MAF sensor and pressure sensor correction system that allows you to go balls out on the design of your cold air system and do things you couldn't do before that yep. nobody could do. We, the whole industry has been fighting it. But the difference is we're in the electronic side of things. Right. So And we're really good calibrators. So we understand the compromise, and we, we figured out a way to yeah. make All it right. better. Well, and then on this particular engine, before we get kicked out of the building, ah. we've got this Duramax diesel. Yes. And you're working with Whipple. Oh, yeah, forever. With uh, with a big 3.8-liter supercharger. And I want a bigger one. And you want a bigger yes, one. Yes, and he's working on a bigger one. And, of course, you're doing this all at a, a higher RPM than, you know. Yes, than normal. And you're going to be able to offer this package as a turnkey crate engine with all of the programming exactly. and the science that you, you've been developing for. And, and a 100% dyno test it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sell an engine that, that hasn't been over the dyno program. So yeah, I want my engines to be super reliable in the field. Of course. The insurance for both us and the customer is that dyno cell and testing everything yeah. on each engine. So Make sure it's as promised. Now, you have to intentionally break a lot of shit in that dyno cell just to make it reliable yeah, for us, Yeah, we've been, we've been working <laughs> on uh, killing a Duramax video series. Yeah. And we pulled off. Which I've seen, and they're great, by the well, way. Well, there's more. Yeah. Yeah, we're at 1,004 horsepower right now, and we haven't killed it. Yeah. So You'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at some point, I'll satisfy the guys that want to see parts. That want to see parts yeah, go yeah, fly Yeah, yeah, Sure. Yeah. All right, so this is going to be, uh, is this the crate engine, or is this the first of several this crate engines? This is the first of several. We're going to do single turbo, dual turbo, Single blower, of course. No, we're not doing any dual blowers. And then super turbos. And super turbos. Yeah. And this one and here. And hybrids. And hybrids. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, this one here is a, a supercharged version. There's, there's, there's no turbo component. None. That just allows a little bit easier packaging for the hot rod builder or truck and, builder. And it gives you a much better sounding exhaust. Yeah, it does. There's, there's no turbine in the way. Yeah. Muffling the sound. I can't wait to hear this thing fire. I, we haven't fired it. Now, in talking about diesel, diesel got a bad rap a few years ago with VW and Dieselgate. And then, well, yeah, and then I, I don't know what's wrong with the guys at VW or why they did that. But they did. And uh, the shame that's being felt in Germany over this is yeah. profound. It's pushed them away from something homegrown. Yeah. That's where diesel, diesel came from. Diesel, the person, was an Austrian, so they're quite proud of it. But we're, we're weathering that storm, right? Yeah. But you've long said, even for years on on coming onto our show, diesel can make power. Diesel can be clean. Exactly, and clean is the element we need. Yeah. 
That's where it's at. So even our military engines, we're working on the the emissions, a emissions level that isn't even being requested here in the United States. But I want to have them as efficient as possible. Part of being clean is burning all the fuel in the cylinder, no smoke. Right. So efficiency is range in a military vehicle, and range is everything. As you advance your front, fuel trucks have to follow. Mm-hmm. If you don't need as much fuel, that logistic problem diminishes. And if you make a hybrid, that's a range extender something fierce right so that's why i want to do the hybrid i have no contract from anybody to do the hybrid development we're doing it on our own yeah it's something i've wanted to do for almost 20 years so what the hell volkswagen actually did a diesel hybrid they sold in europe it was a hell of a package this package position one is like your alternator is your starter and it's all belt driven on the front of the engine Position two, you put the motor generator where the flywheel is. The one we're using makes 536 horsepower, so that, that'll give you a good bump when you... Yeah. So we have to develop the electronics to control the engine and the hybrid system simultaneously. Plus, I want the vehicle to be able to run pure electric. For military, that's silent running, which is a good tactical thing to have. Yeah, for if sure. they don't hear you coming, then you have the element of surprise. Anyhow, it's exciting times. I think the hybrids are going to make a hell of a hot rod setup. Yeah, and just ask to Jay Leno. He's got a <laughs> he he's does. got a few supercars that are hybrids, burn yeah. gasoline, and they're hybrid. So yeah, we've driven a few as well, the Acura NSX and yes. and, and some of the other uh, cars out there. That There's are, some badass stuff out there. There really is. So why not do? This 6.6 liter diesel. Well, listen, fantastic. It's always great to catch up with you. It's yeah, always super interesting. But Pi- uh, Pikes Peak. Pikes Peak's going to be fantastic. We're going to Pikes Peak. This crate engine package is cool. Wait till you guys see the truck that they built. Uh, Lockjaw. Oh, Lockjaw, I tell uh, you. It, it's certainly on social media, so follow Banks on, on uh, Banks Power on social media. You'll As you were building it. Uh, I'm sure you're going to well, now unveil the actual whole actually, thing. Actually, we on have media. 40. We've already released 40 videos on the Lockjaw build. It will probably finish somewhere between 50 and 60 videos in, yeah. the, in okay. the series. Because we're going to go through the entire engine development. That's not done yet. It's all bolted together. We could fire it up, but we're going to take the audience into the dyno cell, mm-hmm. hear it run, see it run, hear the comments. You yeah. know, maybe we'll break something. That's always grand, but not intentionally. But this truck, I can't wait to drive this sucker. I know, but I feel like you're going to take it home. You're going to take it all apart again. We are. And, and, we are. And, and go back and go, all right, what should we do without the SEMA crunch? And then. Yeah. And then, yeah. We'll th- there's some rough edges. We know where they're at. And we'll get all the rough edges off, get, get the thing making horsepower. Yeah. And and then come over and give you a ride. You absolutely should. That'd yeah. be fantastic. You guys absolutely, are that would be a kick. Have fun yeah. with this. But yes. uh, Gail, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. We're getting kicked out, so we'll uh, we'll see you we'll see you at the studio next time. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And as uh, usual, we'll be putting up a bunch of photos on social media. So just follow me, uh, Motorator, on social media to see all of that. And until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel.
For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. RockAuto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to RockAuto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write CarCast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. An amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Let me tell you about our friends over at Geico. Whether you own your home or rent your home, you know it can be a lot of work. And uh, But you know what's easy? It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And we know that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. 